positive feedback loop. I am really curious where you're going at this thought, Ray. No, what I'm is, just thinking. I, I think that would we prefer? would prefer to interact, like, for example, our table can have digital response, like touchscreen stuff. I mean, they've made that. It's just expensive as all heck and isn't... What is expensive? That or paying someone to do, like, mindless things sometimes repeatedly. But how is a table automating something away from someone? I think the idea is that computers aren't going to look the same as what they I do mean now. Like, like, this is what I mean. Moving I a mouse. The movement of mouse. The movement of a mouse okay. and the typing of a keyboard. Those input structures, those are the only two inputs. Maybe video and sound, too. Well, they have, That's like, Connect, much- where you can make, you know, gestures. Well, yeah. you have fingertip stuff. Have you never seen... So, there is all types of like alternative input types where they're like you can use a keyboard but it's actually a ramp upwards and like you have to put your your hands in the middle and they're it's vertical instead of and it's really weird there's like balls that you can use as a keyboard there's things that you like shuffle things around and so well, I think the that's touch screen is ideal because in touch screen I can... disagree touch screen has almost no haptic feedback Touchscreen with haptic feedback, then. You're right. It's very limited. It's very limited because you don't feel the going in. I understand that. You're right. So let's add to it. Now you have visual cues. Why can't we have an augmented reality kind of apparatus in order to... Well, you you used one of those. Weren't you the... Yeah, Yeah, I have. You have put the headset on with where it like sure we I think we all have scalp. like tried those things on the feedback of actually like touching a keyboard is much more informative to me and gives me much more information. Hold on, on hold how on. I'm what doing. is? I, I, let me explain something to you, Luis. What uh, is the purpose of? A break keyboard? it down for me. What is the purpose <laughs> of a keyboard? The purpose of a keyboard keyboard is to take information in your head and put it into a computer. That's one purpose. It's also to do syn- syntactical information when you're coding. You're not really like putting information in your head, you're creating like, you're using some sort of system in order to create a executable thing, right? Well, that no, that's not necessarily... That, how do you create something that hasn't been in your head first? Like you haven't envisioned yeah. or thought about? I feel like you're skipping a couple steps there. I think the whole no. point of the keyboard is just getting, is just inputting information. Okay, fine. Not It yeah. doesn't have to be words or numbers. Does I, it, I mean, it has to be able to input be, some it's characters. It's literally, yeah. the, the purpose is to put characters in the shape of numbers, letters, and symbols and commands into a computer. Sure, that's commands as well, yeah. I, think, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, and commands, and that's a pretty good summary of what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's I agree information. Yeah. Okay, and can we imagine new ways to do that? For example, we, we have voice and uh, AI recognition of Speech, yeah, dragon, well, dictation, dragon speak, and all that. Right, right. So that we can have this concept too. There's been voice recognition software for a while. It's pretty uh, good Pratchett, now. Harry Pratchett, uh, very famous British author, uh, when he started getting dementia, he began using, and he would laud about this that if it wasn't for sys software like Dragon uh, Text to Speech, he would not have been able to continue writing because he just had no capacity to write anymore due to his dementia. Very well, and, early on, and there are braille readers he, and all sorts of tools for people who want inputs to be different. I mean, you could even put—I do this—connect a piano keyboard to a computer so that you can input data that's not even syntactical. 
People have used bananas to beat Dark Souls, the game. Dark Souls, for those who do not know, is an incredibly difficult series of games. And people have beaten them with bongo drums, with bananas, with... I think one guy beat it with a guitar controller for uh, Guitar Hero. You can use all sorts of things as inputs. They're just oftentimes not as good as a keyboard. A keyboard is simple and does what it what it needs to do. We haven't beaten it yet. I think we're getting to the point where sure. it can be Absolutely. In the next 10 years, I don't think we'll be using keyboards as frequently as we do now. And I mean, thinking on that subject, where will we be and how do we get there? That's where we are today in the third part of our Utopia series. Welcome to Positive Feedback Loop. I'm Stephanie, and I'm here with Luis and Ray. Hello. Welcome. Last time we talked about Utopia. What is it for us? How do we envision it? Uh, we've talked about the different... The role of AI yeah, in Utopia. The, how Utopias have, have played out in other people's minds, how they envisioned it. And today, we want to talk about how do we get there? How do we get to the Utopia we envision? But as we came into this episode, we were just talking about inputs, that somehow you have something in your mind, you envision what you want, and that then you need something, um, an intermediary or some medium or some input device to then make possible whatever it is you've envisioned in your brain. So it seems right to talk in those terms of how do you make something physically real that you were hoping for such as your utopic vision of the future yeah right i mean you could think of one utopia being a place where there are no barriers to the outputs you can create you know let's say you have a vision in your mind of something you want to make or create or a place to be uh there are certain barriers you have to take you know, the bus to, to the certain place that you want to be, or you need to, um, you know, buy equipment in order to manufacture a certain item or product. Uh, you have to code certain um, pieces of code in order to create an executable that you want. You know, these are things that are barriers. You can overcome these barriers, but they, they're, they're there. They exist. So I think I, think I want to just point out something and... Right now, we're going at this from the perspective of basically a techno-utopia, which is a utopia where technology has allowed us to break the shackles of humanity, essentially. But the thing is, there's many different utopias for people, and they have been written throughout time, different versions of utopia. And although techno-utopia is probably one of the most popular, you know, there are things like eco-utopias, where man has... has, uh, Maybe we stop progress in one direction to make sure that we are at peace with the planet. There's agrarian utopias where we basically go back to an agrarian lifestyle and all live in small communities and we just gave up on technology, I guess. There's many types of utopia based on what your cultural background is, how you envision a, the most, the best possible future for yourself. And in those cases, you know, it'd be hard to argue the technology angle, which is why I think we're not going to spend too much time on that because I don't think... And I, I might be wrong here. I don't think the three, any of the three of us want to spend the glorious future farming. Unless that's, that's your bag. Well, I don't know. There are a lot of people nowadays 
that, and maybe this has been true for years, but that have gone back to simpler ways of life, the minimalism and no, less I said technology. the three of us. I did not say yes. there are not people in our audience who want well, that. I said amongst the three of us. So I would argue that I made a move recently that simplified my life in a lot of ways. In fact, it made, you know, I don't have the subway accessible to me, which is a piece of technology that a lot of people use in cities and rely on to make commuting a lot easier than driving. But I've surrounded myself with a lot of nature, and that's a big part of my utopia. So I was just thinking about the original question we had, which was, how do we get there, right? And I believe in the first part of the series, we talked about like the way distant future and the idea of a you know, super machine that's the size of 20 suns that's absorbing like a galaxy. It's very... The I, Dyson Sphere. Yeah, the yeah. Dyson Sphere. And then oh, the sorry. Second... Uh, I think we were talking about not the Dyson Sphere, but the... Matro- yeah, it's Matroshka brain. Right, so that, that's what we talked on the first episode. The second episode, we got a little bit closer to our time and talked more about like evolutionarily in a human time frame, maybe, what's going to what it could look like. I think what we want to talk about together is more like the one to five years or the five to 20 year frame. What can we do kind of now to like get on a trajectory where a utopia is actually possible? Well, actually I think a good person to start this off just because that's, they've started off every one of the utopia talks in talking about their utopia is Stephanie. I think you have probably the most distinct utopia from the two of us because both Ray and I tend to go with the techno angle. So how do you reach Mormon utopia? <laughs> what are some of the steps you take to get there? Yeah, that's really interesting. I I love technology. My whole life is studying technology, using technology. So it's funny that my utopia does involve technology, but it involves a lot of nature and spirituality and all you know these other facets of a utopia uh which is really interesting the mormon utopia there is a utopia here on earth building a zion community it's really relationship based it's really being in harmony with with one another and having true 100 percent peace and then there's this idea of the utopia in heaven which is like making it to the celestial kingdom this idea that you can live the godly life. You could live in the presence of God and have all of your worries and and pains taken away. So I would focus more on, you know, the utopia we can achieve here, which is, again, relationship-based. And a lot of that, the steps to reaching that are very religious, like following the teachings of Jesus Christ, of loving your neighbor as yourself, of taking care of one another, as treating each other as if we were brothers and sisters. So there's a lot of that, uh, the religious teaching behind it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is also making life better qualitatively, not just just what you would think in a religion, which is like following the commandments and and the covenants of of a religion. But it's also very much making your physical life better. When the Mormons were really driven across the United States and tarred and feathered and murdered and raped and just treated horribly. Uh, They made it to Utah where they really found a place where they could be who they wanted to be and worship the way they wanted to worship and feel kind of a religious freedom, basically. 
And so they called it the promised land, which is uh, kind of a, it's a theme throughout scripture where people make it to some place that they can call a promised land. Uh, they kind of very religious, it. Yeah, it's a very yeah. common religious theme, the, the promised land, the place where everything will be all the better. Yeah, basically. You can have a sort of utopia. It's a yeah. heaven on earth, really. Yeah. And, you know, for so for the Mormons then, achieving religious liberty and the freedom to be who you wanted to be without being murdered and stolen from and all you know, harmed in any number of ways was uh, a utopia of sorts, which is interesting because they arrived in Utah and it was like a complete desert. Uh, so, but they also made it their utopia instead of seeing it as a desert and saying, wow, I've made it to hell, you know, <laughs> you come all this way and uh, see a, a uto- utopia reciprocal or something. But instead, you know, that they, famous Saharan utopia. Yeah. The Saharan utopia. But they really did see it as, as the, community utopia they were looking for and they made the physical utopia happen they they farmed and it's all the agriculture and the irrigation and and made utah actually quite a beautiful livable place so i i have a couple questions for you uh steph one would you say that you that mormonism is a big part of that utopia for you as in societies that run with a mentality that is Mormon-like, a cultural Mormon background would be beneficial in reaching that utopia? Or is it not necessary in the slightest? I think that that's applicable to everyone. That whatever the core of your being is, whatever is like so important to you, is part of your utopia. Here's, I, I don't know if that's true. I, I've long been involved in very diverse groups i've gone to internationals i've went to an international school i'm a foreigner in this country so and i'm in fact a relative rarity in the places i grew up because even though there's a ton of cubans in places in the u.s there's not a lot of them everywhere i grew up so i didn't have a very strong community to fall back on i mean i did because my parents had friends here and i had my family but i didn't have a similar experience to you in that sense and while i do feel a the degree of camaraderie with other Cubans or other people with my same cultural background. And I know that's not necessarily what you're talking about because you're talking about the core of my being. And I wouldn't say that that's being Cuban. I I think that the question I kind of want to ask you is, do you think that you would have to create levels of segregation for this utopia then? Wherein you would have to have, because we're talking about how to get there, right? And if a utopia for you is being surrounded by like-minded individuals, wouldn't you then have to create an enforcement mechanism to make sure that you are surrounded by like-minded individuals? Conversion or making sure that the that the good morals of your culture get propagated, whatever anyone's opinion on that may be, or having people move to more like-minded communities, what would be your approach to doing this? Well, I don't think that like-mindedness is the right word for it because if I'm sitting next to my Muslim friend or next to my Jewish friend, I still feel like I'm in a utopia because I know that those friends highly value the same, have the same core values that are core to Mormonism, like religious liberty or like a God who is watching over us or somebody who's 
who doesn't believe in God, but does believe in the goodness of, of sharing and brotherhood and, and watching out for each other, that's, a, that's core to my belief and core to their belief. There's a lot of diversity. I mean, there's a lot of diversity among Mormons. There's a lot of diversity among human beings. So to say that, that it's because we're like-minded may not be right. But it's interesting because you do have to have some sort of core value that does match with, with the people you want to be in a utopia with, right? Like you could say, well, we have different religious beliefs. That's, that happens already in the world. But would you be in a utopia where some people believe that murdering is okay and some people don't? Would the people who don't want to see death all around them, would, would they be able to live in a, in a society that is truly, completely morality, morally relativistic, meaning that anybody could believe anything they want? Could they actually live together and all feel like they're in a utopia? It's been actually really interesting listening to Stephanie um, discuss her thoughts. And I, I did have the same question about segregating other people. And I think Stephanie came back with a pretty interesting response in that uh, it's not about like-minded people, you know, being with other like-minded people, but it's about you actually question the idea of utopia. And now I'm starting to wonder, is a utopia just something, a place where everything is the way I want it to be? Is, is that it? Is it but, on a personal level? It can a utopia can be utopia for me. It can't be a, uh, the same in terms of identical utopia for somebody else. If a utopia is a is a term used for perfection, then I don't see it being perfect for anybody else except me. Well, bad things still happen in ut in utopias. It's not as if. Anything that is remotely bad is impossible. But my question is more, so I, I don't think I was asking, you know, should we live in an ap apocalyptic hellhole where everyone does whatever they want, baby murder is totally fine, let's just go around killing people's babies and stabbing everyone in the face and <laughs> let's kick a puppy because why not? <laughs> That's not what I was arguing. That's right. why we have laws. And generally, yeah, cultures create, like, Governments create a instill a sense of culture on people to a degree by creating laws based on a common set of acceptable accepted core beliefs. But what we as a species generally tend to have in common is quite a bit, right? It, there's not that many people out there who are like, ah, murder is totally fine, and don't come up from from a place where like murder is already a thing, right? If you were raised in a country where there's relative safety, the value of human life is instilled on you, et cetera, et cetera, which is the vast majority of cultures in some sense, even if they may not be in the most advantaged areas or they may be living in uh, wartime conditions, which different scenario, different life, very different situation. Even then, if people come into, for example, the U.S., they begin to acclimate to the US. They begin to learn the way that things go in the US. I have learned a lot of the pop culture and historical knowledge and the way that the US operates based on being here, right? So you could call that a level of conversion. Would but my question is more if you're you, how do you identify those people who are like-minded without giving everyone in the country a massive quiz? What is it that what would be your minimum requirement for Equal, like equality of thought, if you want to call it something. Not necessarily exactitude of thought, 
but a level of congruence where I know that my neighbors have at least this bare minimum in common with me so that we, I live in my utopia. Luis, what is that bare minimum for you? I wonder, Luis, do you think we already live in a utopia? Because what you're describing is our present state. We already live in a pretty firm culture. Uh, like you're saying, you, you had to even acclimate when coming to the United States. Is, is every country its own utopia? Is every culture its own utopia? I do not believe that we live in a utopia right now. So what I is it? Think that- Let's go the inverse. What is it about our current state that is not a utopia in your mind? Well, there's a lot of stressors in life that could be, un- that could be undone in a utopia that are not necessary to human existence. For example, the stressor of unemployment or vice versa, the stressor of needing to work to survive. That's absolutely a stressor, right? What if you want, if you could have the opportunity to work for enjoyment? What if you wanted to work as a creative outlet and that was possible? What if we could live in a world like that, right? I, I think further on when it comes to utopia, rather than there are, there's obviously the cultural angle, I would like the utopia to be a place where people are not murdering each other on the streets. This would be better. I would like it to be a place where there is safety. You don't have to fear either from external influence or for your next meal or for of, of disease. These things, these are things that have been eradicated. These are stressors that I don't think are necessary for us to exist and that we can undo. But Getting there is complicated, and I don't know what's the right way to get there without stamping out a lot of things that are necessary for like me to feel okay about the human condition. I think we are doing things to get there. I think in the last 10 years, the last 20 years, we've seen an enormous amount of innovation happening in all different types of sectors. I mean, and the other thing, if we think about the existence of people years ago and what their fears were and their stressors it was kind of surviving many of them were in wartime states so they had all these like stressors i'm not saying that we haven't we are, gotten better i agree i know i'm not saying that's what you said but i'm just trying to lead up to one solution i think for us to get to the next level yeah so with all these innovations companies sprouting up and these companies are structured in a way that's very different than how companies used to be structured. Now you don't really need to have sales for a while in order to, or you don't need to have be profitable. You can focus on literally just growing a community um, at a loss for a while. And with that community, you can generate such an interest that it itself will have value. You're talking about like a platform having a two-sided market where, for example, you, the value is in how the consumers, right? But the but, customer is becomes actually the other right. Company, but we're still confined. We're still confined um, to the, for example, fiat currencies or, or different types of financial mechanisms that we've been using all our lives. I think there's going to be more of a shift where we'll be able to exchange currency or value that's not necessarily tied to a government or a gold bank. It'll be community-based value that appreciates over time just by being able to use the specific currency as transactional assets. But isn't it and the I'm, point of a central bank to make sure that 
like, isn't it good to have a central bank to a degree? I mean, and this is something that could be argued for days. Sure, sure. But so th there's a reason we made central banks, and it's because having state control of the currency means that we can make sure your currency retains value and it, it, there can be steps taken in case of economic downturns based on monetary policy. There are good things that come out of state control of currency. You're putting a lot of responsibility and liability on the government. The government doesn't necessarily want to be controlling Maybe now they do. They really have gotten used to the idea of controlling the money supply. But I think the central idea of a government, the reason societies and philosophers came together and discussed the way that they did in order to improve society and human beings, was to create policies around living, policies around life, how we treat each other as human beings. At some point in time, there was an introduction of money and debt and credit and all these things. And it also was used, actually, to gain power for a while. Central authorities have gained power over time. Huge powers. We all see the inequality that exists in the world. However, I don't think that's necessarily going to stay that way. I think there are ways to create different types of transactional units that can be created. And I think that's where we're going primarily. An example is the blockchain. And I think that was one step closer to utopia. You know, you bring up, Ray, the idea that a utopia has value ascribed to it. That there, there even is an economic dimension to utopia. So I think this is a really cool place to stop for a commercial, and we'll come right back to that idea of value in a utopia. Initiate message. I am Stella an artificial intelligence created to assist Mrs. McElby, president of the universe. I have been instructed to create a utopia. After processing the current universe's data, I have found three elements that are necessary to build a utopia. First, fruit loops. The delicious fruity taste of the colorful loops has created a euphoria for more than a generation. Second, bathroom jokes. It seems that the most sensitive elements that humans want to hide about their existence are also the most important to highlight. And third, singing in the shower, forcing all humans to double their showers and sing while in them has shown high in testing data, and I report that it is 100% likely that the utopic universe will rely on it. I finish my report. End message. Welcome back to Positive Feedback Loop. Wonderful commercial. And now, we were talking about getting to utopia how do we get there and we left off talking about the economic dimension to utopia or in general value creation and exchange in utopia so ray did you want to explain more yeah. of what you're saying yeah stephanie specifically when before the commercial we were talking about 
how you know people will start instead of using government money, we'll start using something else. Um, specifically, I'm thinking about cryptocurrencies and the reason for that is I think a distributed ledger, which is basically what arises when you have a, a blockchain-based cryptocurrency. I think the, the value that this can bring is the de-shackling of any other type of institution to regulate your value, what you, what, what you value, the currency that you want to use in order to interact with other human beings. Because if you think about it, let's say us three right now. We don't really necessarily need to use money for us to exchange value. We can do it in different ways. For example, let's say... Are you talking about using, for example, in-kind versus monetary exchange? As in, I give you either a favor or some product in exchange for a service, a product, well, even like something. Just think about when we were younger, right? We used to use different types of objects in order to exchange. We traded things. For example, I used to have like... Uh, Pokemon cards and you used to trade them with other people and there were certain types of cards that had more value than others and then you there was no Kind of money exchange. It was just like we'll trade like Ray, four of these cards. I have a question for you mm -hmm. In your utopia is there work that is anything other than just making it for fun? Like, is there people do you have to work to survive and create the the actual monetary value and sufficient to maintain yourself? No, I, I think everything will basically be done for fun or not necessarily for fun. It could be done for any sort of positive feelings. It doesn't have to be so fun So then what's the value of money or blockchain or, or even cryptocurrencies at that point? Because you can still be able to use those currencies in order to get things that you may need like eating and food. But, and but if it's already all available for free – Everywhere. No, it's not for free. But Why not? It doesn't, but it could be part of doing a fun activity can earn you a type of cryptocurrency, for example. Well, I won't get into too much spoiler territory, but there is a Black Mirror episode where basically society is just people in bicycles. This is an early one from like season right. one. Right. People in bicycles that. and they're just creating virtual currency to buy virtual gadgets and everything else is just there. I mean, but it's kind of a paltry everything. No one really but, enjoys. Right. But the thing is, the issue with that any. episode, and I don't care if I'm spoiling it, to be honest, but the point of that episode, I don't think it would actually play out the way it did in the episode, is what I'm saying. Because I'm not saying it episode, will. I'm just. It was just like they were all lined up and they would go to some like basically like a prison cell it seemed like and they would like get on this like stationary bike and do that vr stuff but it was not, i don't think that's how it's going to be i think actually we'll be more interacting with our environment and i think we'll be more connected to nature than ever before actually in ways that we currently don't understand but there are true breakthroughs in the fields of life in the life sciences fields where we're connecting the digital with the biology and there can be more with nature well think about the internet of things there's a there's a lot of the internet of things now that hooks into the the ph balance of the soil and the wind speeds and where it you know where you can uh, hike and walk and swim and i mean i think that 
technology is actually is linking us to nature in very interesting ways. I think our past in the, you know, decades ago when people thought of a techno utopia, as you described, it was like, we'll be surrounded by computers and we'll be in this virtual world practically walled in and wired up. And, and I think that as technology has advanced, we have seen a lot of the pharmaceutical, the biological, the ecological elements and dimensions to technology that have been super interesting. It's like we haven't gotten more and more into a box. We've kind of opened up our whole world. And a really simple, like very basic example of this that's probably been talked about way too much in the news is Pokemon Go, which uses augmented reality to basically get people who were typical gamers on their phone off the couch and actually walking around the neighborhood and the community. I mean, that's kind of a I think it was so popular in the news because no one ever imagined that an advance in technology or a use of augmented reality would actually go the direct the opposite direction they thought. Granted, that's that's a very good example of exactly what uh, I think Bray was pointing to. I think my main concern, and this is one of the things that I am teetering on, on because I have a, an image in my head of what utopia is. But I don't trust it. Well, what is and that my image? reason for not? That's the thing. I don't trust the image, so it's not solid. And the reason I don't trust it is because I don't trust that what we think today is the right way to organize ourselves is going to be valid in a world that is so vastly different. And I worry about the values that we have and give up. And I worry that maybe my worrying is, in fact, a sign that I am old-fashioned. But if we talk about technology, and I agree, technology is a huge part of this for me. I think that for utopia to really be utopia in my head, it has to come from a place where we have advanced enough as a society where we can do away with a lot of the toils that burden us today, where your hours are yours to do with what you wish. But... In this world where everything is a choice, things like the value of a commodity change inherently because they are not necessarily produced by human hands and they are owned by whoever owns the machines. So then who owns the machines? Do we want to just let people who who make the machines own them? Do we want to make those people have all the power because they own the entire economy essentially? I I would say probably not, but then that skirts dangerously close to basically communism, which I have all sorts of problems with. So it's it's one of those things where every instinct in me is fighting against every other instinct. How do we organize ourselves as a society? Who do we get to make rules? Do we want to empower the government with all this amazing technology that rules everyone's lives and will have the ability to basically dictate it more about people's privacy than ever before? What do you do when a government is armed with mini drones that can that have facial recognition, can follow you around, can know everything about you, and can take military steps if they want against people they consider dangerous or a threat to society? Do we want to give the government that power? I would argue maybe we don't. But then, you know, that's one of those things where, well, you could guarantee a safe society if you had the sky being policed by mini drones that could 
attack someone the moment they do something wrong, right? You could argue that could make a very safe society, but that's horrifying to me. Yeah, but I think all those things, those institutions in society have been created because it was needed to be created. But I think where we're going in the future, and I hate to keep mentioning the same technology over and over again, but blockchain, yeah. with blockchain, I think we're eliminating one component of society, of human beings, that we haven't been able to, uh, that we've been struggling with, which is trust. We have difficulty yeah. trusting a stranger, a different nation. We have we can't trust a company to not ship something illegal to a different country but how does this how does blockchain eliminate crime well blockchain doesn't necessarily eliminate all crime but i i think in fact it encourages it in some senses and it can because it's it's dark in some ways it's it's not trackable but it's also a public it's completely trackable it is in the sense that it's a public ledger but there's also what's interesting is that we've just we, right now we're becoming a society that's much more transparent. I mean, even people are putting a lot of what they normally wouldn't have ever told anybody on the Internet. So it's just culture is changing a lot. But, Ray, what I think is interesting is, you know, you mentioned trust. That's a huge part of many people's utopia. And, Luis, when I hear you say, you know, we've got all these technologies, but then what do we do about the people, basically, that we can't trust? Right, the people who are in, in power have the machines or the governments that have the drones or whatever it is. It's this element of I have, imagine all this technology could lead us to a utopia, but then I imagine all the people who would make it impossible to get there. And so it's this really the barrier to a utopia isn't the technology or the weather or whatever it is that that's external to that. It's human nature. Can we change human nature? And that's why a lot of people's utopias do tend to be a religious utopia because they focus so much on if we become the people that we want to be, if we internally develop the love, the altruism, the brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever it is, could we then reach a utopia? Could we then develop the technology and everything with all the trust that we need? Well, here's the other alternative to that. If you think, I mean, there's... A couple of ways you could go about that. You can go the genetic engineering route, right? You could talk about literally making humans that are more docile and blah, 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 blah. And that's all becoming increasingly more feasible due to CRISPR and advances in genetic engineering, which are becoming much more prevalent day to day. And we're going to be hearing a lot of ethical debates about what is morally okay for people to do with an unborn child. Right. And how is it how is it how okay is it to modify a child before they are just a thought? Then we're also you could also go the route of creating systems that are essentially human proof, right? By automating things to the point where humans are not involved. Because you talked about early on in this conversation we were talking about the keyboard being a middleman between a human and a thing being done. But truly humans are also a middleman between the thing you need to get from A to B. Right. We are just a step in the process wherein the human takes this this requirement, processes it through their own brain and then does something out of it. And then you have an output. If you could have an AI do that. Done. And you could have AI judges. That's feasible. You could have AI that processes millions of cases of uh, trial law and can give best recommendations. You could team them up with a human 
But you could also just have the AI do it themselves, and then you don't have to fear the human. You could have the AI be in charge of government. If you have an advanced enough AI, you could have the AI just make rules and decide the well-being of humanity. I don't think these are necessarily good ideas, and in fact, I think they're probably pretty lousy ideas. I don't want to give that much power to an uncountably brilliant machine. But without some assistance in helping us guide us, I don't see how we could take just technology without any additional changes to legislation, the way that we organize ourselves. I don't know how we're going to get anywhere that is good. But it is interesting you mentioned that because if you think about human beings, why are we here? Do we necessarily know why we have this consciousness? Some people feel like they do. Uh, that's fine, and that's great. Some people don't. Do you think the AI will actually feel the almost exact same way as we do? Can we disprove that we are not some biological AI when we've had that discussion before, I think briefly? But that really is the issue because you said what's the end game for for us, right? Well, we don't really know. So it's hard to say that. Actually, it's easy to say that AI might have the same exact experience as we do in just a different way, in a different form. There are those who argue that AI, that if we have a legacy in this universe, it will be AI. It'll be artificial life that will allow the universe to experience itself in a scale much more massive than humans will ever be capable of. I don't know if I agree with that thought, but it is somewhat comforting that if we manage to get to a point where an intelligence that we've created explores the universe and can do wonderful things, even if we're not around for it, at least something came out of it. I don't know what what it will be, but let's try to work towards maybe still being around at that point. Well, it seems that there will be a utopia that could be reached. We can at least see inklings of it and reach for it. And maybe... Even if we don't get there in this lifetime, our lifetime, the three of us maybe, at least we see that it's possible. And I think maybe the reaching for a utopia is really the point. Not just the getting there, but the, you know, it's like the enjoy the journey. <laughs> it, right. That's part of what makes life so magical is just reaching for a utopia together. So it's been a really just thought-provoking episode And it's been a great series on Utopia. We want to thank our listeners for joining us into the depths of the topic. Definitely follow us on Twitter at The PFL Podcast and visit us at pflpodcast.com. We love to hear from you. We love your ideas. We've been uh, inspired by the suggestions that have been sent so far. So engage with us on social media. And as always, stay crazy.